That's the unmistakable sound of Malian Virtuoso Tumani Jabate, Dooms as we call him, playing the 21-string West African harp, the Kora. This performance comes from Tumani's groundbreaking 1987 album, Kaira. I say groundbreaking because Kaira was the first solo Kora album, and it inspired a generation of younger Kora innovators. The Kora goes way back in the history of the Monday people. It is traditionally an instrument played only by the jellies or griots, hereditary praise historians and music masters. But today, as we'll hear, the Kora has gone global. Hello, I'm Georges Collinet with Afropop Worldwide from PRX. This edition, Journeys with the Kora. The Kora is the West African harp with 21 string. Is built uh, with the half calabash, cow skin around the calabash, with the neck made with the wood. We use what we call keno. I remember back in the day when my grandfather used to build kora, he will uh, get the wood from the forest and then dry it up. Could take probably six months. It gotta be really dry, not rushing like nowadays they make the koras within a month or two. The strings are just made by fishing line nowadays, like uh, before. It was like a type of skin, but what they do, they do a special treatment to the skin. It makes the skin flexible and hard to break. It was time consuming, you know. C'est un instrument complet, quoi. Tu fais la base. The kora is a complete instrument. You play the bass, you play the accompaniment, and at the same time, you play the solo. Cet instrument reste la carte d'identité du peuple du Mandé. This instrument is the ID card for the Mandé people, and it is unique in the sense that it is open to everyone. It is free, it is vast. The Kora is like a river. The Kora, like my dad used to say, we have a special connection. You know, when we play the Kora, we face the Kora to us. We don't give the Kora backward, you know. You face the Kora, you're communicating with the Kora. You know, you don't play like you're playing a guitar and going in. It's facing the public, it's not facing you. But the Kora, you're meditating while you're playing it, kind of like having a dialogue with your Kora, you know. That's Sirifo Sisoko, brother of Balake Sisoko and son of the late Jelimadi Sisoko, one of the first players to bring the Kora from Gambia to Mali. We also heard from Jelimori Dunkara and Madu Sidiki Jabate. Musicologist Lucy Duran has been studying Kora music since the 1970s. One of the first players who inspired her was Jali Nyama Suso of the Gambia. This is Dorokuta, a piece that was recorded in 1970 by the academic specialist in West African music, Anthony King. Jalinyama sings because, you know, normally the kora would be an accompaniment to song. But just listen to the delicacy of his playing. He's not showing off. He's just deeply immersed in the music. Yeah, 
If you ask a choir player the origin of the instrument, you might hear a story about genes, genies, or spirits that gave the Chora to humans in a distant past. Historians and musicologists trace the Chora's origins to the Kabu Empire, founded in the 16th century in what is now Gambia in southern Senegal and Guinea-Bissau. The first descriptions and drawings we have of Koras are from the late 18th century, and we're going to hear some of the great Kora masters of the late 20th century. But first... I greet everyone today. I am Mamadou Sidiki Jabate, Kora player. But I'm not just a Kora player. I am the owner of this instrument because I come from a family with 71 generations of Kora players transmitted from father to son. Well, now you might be wondering how there could be 71 generations of musicians playing an instrument that was only invented a few centuries ago. Well, what can I tell you? Perhaps the idea of generations is a little different in a land of enormous families with multiple wives. In any case, we met Madou Sidiki as he was about to perform at La Nuit de la Cora, the Night of the Cora, at the Nuit d'Afrique Festival in Montréal. On va retracer l'histoire du Mandé du 13e siècle à nos jours. We're tracing the history of Mande from the 13th century till today. Because when we speak of the Kora, it's a complete history. The first song you play on the Kora is Kelefaba. Some people call it Kurunto Kelefa. When you begin, the master gives you the song. And when you've learned to play it well, the master will leave you alone to play all the others. Because once you play this, none of the others will be a problem for you. Kelefaba was composed to honor a great warrior, Kelefasane. Kelefasane was a king in Guinea-Bissau, Kabu. So I guess when you get the Kora, you want to play for your patron. Like so many pieces in the Monde Griot repertoire, this is a praise song. And in Madou Sidiki's hands, I tell you, it is also sublime. <laughs> Thank you. 
How about that? A solo performance by Madhu Siddiqui Jabate. And by the way, Madhu is Tumani Jabate's younger brother. And for some years now, he's been the Kora player in Salif Keita's band. But let's go back in time. One of the first commercially available Kora recordings was Cordes Anciennes, Ancient Strings, released on a German record label in 1971. It features a number of duo tracks pairing Siriki Jabate with Jelimadi Sissoko, two of the most influential players of their time. performed by Siddiqui Jabate and Jelimadi Sissoko in 1970. Fast forward to 1999 and listen to their sons, Tumani Jabate and Balake Sissoko, performing a different version of Kaira on an album called New Ancient Strings, produced by, you guessed it, Lucy Duran. Thank you. 
Tumani Jabate and Balake Sisoko. Maybe you hear that their playing is more elaborate than their fathers. Each generation of players tries to go beyond what was done before. Monday music goes back to the 13th century, a time when griots had no other profession and played all the time. So this is really a classical tradition. It's complex, ever-evolving, and it carries a deep sense of history. As we said, the Kora originated in what is now Guinea-Bissau and Gambia. Sidiki Jabate and Jelimadi Sisoko grew up in Gambia. And Sirifo Sisoko, Jelimadi's son, says that they started out playing in the Gambian style. The men used to do the singing and to play the Kora. It was a different style. So when my dad and uh, Tumani's dad, they traveled to Mali, so they were confronted in a different style of music. There was Ngoni, there was Bala, there was all those instruments over there. And for them really to count, they got to embrace those instruments and play together with them. So Sidiki and Jalemari, even though they're from the Gambia, they become the star in Mali. They did a good job. So the president gave them land to stay. But to be honest and to be truthful, before them, somebody has brought the coin in Mali before Sidiki and my dad. That person was Batruse Kukuyate in the ears of Lucy Duran, one of the greatest Kora players of the 20th century. Batru Seku Kuyate from Mali, wonderful Kora player with a very original style. It reminds me of raindrops on water, ping, 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 very clear, every note perfectly articulated. And then when he strums the strings, it's like bells ringing. It's very evocative, extremely musical, very melodic. It's absolute groove. Sekukuyate playing Kora at Radio Mali in the 1970s. But can it really be true that there were no Kora players in Mali before Batru Seku? Sirifo Sisoko says it is. In Mali, nobody. Batru Seku was the first one. He traveled to Gambia, you know, learned the Kora and brought it to Mali before, way before Sidiki and my dad. I would say probably in the late 40s. But for the Kora to really expand, it started with Sidiki and my dad. Musicologists like Roderick Knight in the US and Anthony King and Lucy Duran in the UK were studying Kora music long before it became widely known. But for many of us, including Sean Barlow, the creator of this program, 
Discovery came with the 1973 Rounder Records release of Alhaji Baikonte's album Cora Melodies from the Republic of the Gambia. The album was recorded by a young American folk musician named Mark Pivar, who along with his wife, Susan, spent a year studying Cora in Baikonte's compound in Brikama, Gambia. Mark was a guitar player trying to understand this remarkable 21-string harp. I spent a long time trying to understand what was so distinctive about the sound quality of the chorus. With a guitar or any fretted instrument, most of the time you hold down a string and you pluck it or strum it, you cause it to vibrate, and then you lift off of that fret. That sound, it's gone. It's not there anymore at all, not even a little shred of it. But with a harp, when you pluck a string, until you physically dampen it, stop it with your hand, that sound keeps going. So if you're playing guitar, you can get six sounds, six strings, you're gonna get six sounds. With the chora, you could have 21 sounds happening at any one time. Usually it's gonna be maybe 10 or 14, 15, 16 sounds, because certain notes are used very seldom. It's more like listening to Debussy, an orchestra that's playing these almost like waves of colors that blend one into another. Debussy's writings like in La Mer and things of that nature are much closer in the classical music world to what you can do with a chora, with a soloist. It's something that Baikonte was extremely good at, where he would take a basic melody, and after a minute or two, if you're paying attention, you'll realize he's playing a variation of that first melody, and then you say, but when did he stop the other one and start the new one? And the answer is, didn't really happen that way. It's a very slow, one little note change at a time, and it keeps moving and shifting and shifting and shifting. And then with a sly grin, the really good musician will throw in what are called brimantingo. Brimantingo is the very fast runs, ascending and descending runs, sometimes more than double time, blisteringly fast, and then slow the pace down to a snail's pace again. teacher can show you the accompaniment for a song, the kumbengo, but birimintingo? Kumbeng is like accompaniment. So birimintingo is improvisation. You're improvising. So they actually teach you the kumbeng, but birimintingo is going to be something that depends on your emotions, you know, your feelings, and uh, okay, can you also show me the birimintingo for this? I'm going to teach you the birimintingo for Jarabi. No, 
Nobody should know Brimi. You know, you're improvising. Conte with Jato. And for the whole story of that by Conte album, check out our interview with Mark on Afropop.org. One detail you might remember about the album is the psychedelic image of the artist on the cover. That album cover caught the eye of a young Taj Mahal, and it led to Taj's friendship with Mark and his later collaboration with by Conte and his son Dembo Conte. Mark and Susan pick up the story here. The funny thing about the picture is that it was actually a mistake. We were so broke, so we were sending our film home to a friend who claimed he could do the he could do the printing and <laughs> the chrome slide <laughs> and slide. Uh, the developing. It was really messed up, but when we saw that picture, it was, it was I amazing. It was supposed to be the cover. <laughs> I saw the picture when the slides came back, and our friend was very apologetic in his letter when he sent it back. Said, "I don't know what happened. What was the, the temperature?" Temperature or this or that, but some of them got solarized. I looked at that, I thought, oh my goodness, this is an album cover. This is the middle of the psychedelic era, you know, like. Taj Mahal might not have spotted that album that got Yes, if, if my friend hadn't, hadn't have made the development mistake. <laughs> Hey, fun fact, Mark and Susan first tried to get Smithsonian Folkways to release that Baikonte album, but Mo Ash refused to do a color cover, so the honor fell to Rounder Records, and the rest is history.
Alhaji Baikonte with the song that I love, Alalake. One of the early pioneers of performing Kora outside of West Africa was Fode Musa Suso. Fode Musa grew up in a village in eastern Gambia, not far from the Malian border. He was a quick study on Kora and soon began traveling widely. In 1977, he landed in Chicago, where he formed a band called the Mandingo Grio Society. Fode Musa would go on to collaborate with Bill Laswell, Philip Glass, Herbie Hancock, and many others. But his dive into Kora fusion started in Chicago. Here is a taste from the Mandingo Grio Society's debut album featuring the late great jazz trumpeter Don Sherry. Mandingo Griot Society featuring Fode Musa Suso. More Cora adventures coming up. Plus, what makes a truly great Cora player? Hmm? Visit afropop.org to see Cora videos and read our interview with Marc Pivar. I'm Georges Collinet and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. You know, one sign that Kora music is evolving is the emergence of female Kora players. And topping that list is Sona Jobarte, daughter of Sanjali Jobarte and granddaughter of Amadou Bansang Jobarte, the iconic Gambian Kora master. Sona grew up between Gambia and the UK and only knew her legendary grandfather when she was very young. In the Gambia, I can't say that I was lucky enough to study with my grandfather. He passed away when I was like nine, ten, so I was not old enough. I often wish I could travel back in time as a player than I am now and be able to have just one lesson with him. But saying that, I was very lucky though to have my father because my father was the main student in terms of learning Kora. My father was the one who really studied with him the most times and taught with him. 
And so I was really fortunate to be able to study from my father and to get so much knowledge from him and obviously from my grandfather through him. But before she worked with her father, Sona studied classical music in England, playing cello and learning Western composition. She had also toured with her brother, Tunde Jagere, who was fusing Kora into reggae, Indian music and other international styles. But after all that, Sona went back to her roots. By the age of 17, I really decided that actually the Kora is the only instrument despite everything that I feel 100% connected with. I love all the other instruments that I do, but they don't talk to me the same way. So that's when I really wanted to study the old songs. So I went to my father living in Norway and I asked him, will you give me what you know? <laughs> will you teach me? It was interesting because he agreed. And uh, we spent such intensive time on the side of his bed for so long, studying and studying and studying as much as I could. I never knew until many years later really how he internalized that whole process until I had an interview not so long ago with my dad. And they asked, what did you think about teaching your daughter? And he said, yeah, you know, I told her if she wants to do this, make sure that you don't consider the female thing. I'm going to teach you as my child, not as my daughter. This is me passing it on to the next generation. Uh, and it's true, he told me at the time, the one thing he wants is to make sure I become a good chorus player, not a female chorus, but a good chorus player. Well, what was interesting was the interviewer asked him at that moment, do you think she succeeded in that? And you know, my dad is an old generation. They don't say things like usually like, oh, well done, all of this, they don't really say. So it's the first time I heard him and he said, after a pause, Yes, she did. <laughs> and that meant, like, the world to me. And now, here's Sona Giovarte with the title track from her international debut album, Fasia.
Sonajo Barté with Fasia. Love it. As the chorus has gone international, more and more Westerners have traveled to West Africa to study the tradition. And one of those is a young woman who we met at the Nuit d'Afrique Festival in Montréal, where she now lives. My name is Sophie Lukács from Budapest, Hungary. I started playing the violin when I was four and I studied classical music for 16 years. And then I was in Burkina Faso by chance in 2008 and I met the Kora and Mondang music and fell in love with this repertoire. I didn't start playing the Kora right away, but I started listening obsessively to Kora music, solo Kora, for many years. And then I was living in New York and I saw Yakuba Sisoko at Music at the Met on a Friday. And I went up to him and I said, I need a lesson. And I had a lesson with him and that was in 2013. And then I said, that's it, I'm gonna play the Kora. A few years later, Sophie accepted an invitation from Tumani Jabate to come to Mali. And she stayed for seven years. And well, listen for yourself. Canadian chora player Sophie Lukacs turning on a crowd at Club Balatou in Montréal. But let's head back to West Africa, the land of the chora. Another of the greats of the late 20th century was Kausu Kuyate. Kausu was from southern Senegal, a small town called Bunkiling, which actually means one room. There's a style of music called Ye Yengo, which involves a lot of strumming on the kora. I think you will see how remarkably creative this musician was with extraordinary dexterity, yes, but just 
deep, deep, deep musicality. One of the things for me that makes great chora players great is when they sing with the chora. It can literally be singing, singing along, humming, but it can also be making the chora sing, and Kausul does both. Soukouyate in a beautiful recording made by Lucy Duran in Casamance, southern Senegal, in 1986. You know, for an outsider, well, it's easy to get lost in the chora music. It casts a spell. You heard Lucy speak about what makes a great chora player, and we thought we'd ask a few players what they think is the sign of greatness, starting with... Jelly Mori Tunkara and Sophie Lukax. For me, it's the touch and the sensibility each person has. I can listen to a recording and say, that's Madhu Siddiqui playing. Or I can listen to another and say, that's Balake or Tumani. Everyone has their touch. A great chora player is not actually different from a great violinist. You need everything. You need an amazing sensibility and timing. And then I think so much of the chora is improvisational. It's your feeling. You have to have a lot of soul. To me, a great chora player is someone that really plays with the melody, not the technique. Because the chora is basically melody. We sing through the string. It's like you're singing a song. These kids nowadays that do the rhythm, it don't mean anything. They're not really singing, so they're just playing technique. Because to make it beautiful, it's not like a competition thing. So, you know, like, okay, everybody got to show their skills and... No, you know, you want it to combine, to be something nice. Like my dad was with uh, Tumani's dad. Tumani's dad will do the solo and everything. My dad is the accompaniment. Did that make my dad a lazy chorus play? No, it don't work like that. Everybody knows everybody's specific value. What makes a chorus player great? 
It's very subjective, ultimately, but I think we need to go back to ideas about musical greatness from the culture itself. There is a term called ngara, that means master musician. Ngaraya is musical mastery. This goes beyond just the kora. It's for singing and um, any other form of musical performance, particularly by the griots or the jellies. Ngaraya, musical greatness, implies that the music goes beyond mere entertainment. It has a power, the ability to make things happen. It moves you to do great things. In 1987, we spoke with Fode Musasuso of Gambia, and he said that one mark of a great kora player is to know all the different styles of kora throughout the Mandi territories. One thing about the kora, I play any style on it. Tomora, Hardino, Shilaba, Sauta. These are the four for Mali, Gambia, Senegal, Guinea. Usually, western part of Gambia, they play Tomora, like Burkama area, Banjul area. They play just the Tomora. So if they go to Mali, they cannot play with the Mali musicians because it's a whole different thing. But I play all of them, no matter which part of Mandingo area I am. Four different tunings, four different styles. Tomara, Silaba, Hardimo, and Sauta. Here is Siri for Sisoko. Let's say, for example, if you go to Kazamas, most of the style is Tomara. They play Tomara. In Guinea-Bissau, most of the tunings are Hardino, more mellow than Kazama style. I mean, Kazama's style of kora playing is a little bit more speed to it, you know, a little rougher. You don't find it that gentle like if somebody playing Mali or somebody playing Guinea-Bissau. It's a little bit different. Gambia is more like Kazama's. Mostly they play with the Silaba and the Tomora, Tunis, you know. And then you go to Mali, kora playing Mali, they play Sauta. Sophie Lukax particularly admires Toumani Jabate's collaboration with Ali Farkatouré on the song Sumbu Yaya. Toumani is so amazing because what he did with traditional choir songs, he modernized them. He also changed the structure of song, right? These songs that went on for 20 minutes, like he made Sumbu Yaya a three-minute song. Tumani is much more melody-focused than any other kora player. And then Balake comes with so much sensitivity too, but with all this ornamentation, but never for the sake of ornamentation, right? I think it's very intentional. We hear like Balake. that I have to confess here that I am a bit of a traditionalist. I prefer really the oldest ways of playing. Having said that, I'm a complete fan of Balake Sisoko, who sings with his kora. His music is infused with melody and with a kind of a spirituality. It's also very dexterous and virtuosic, but that isn't the main point. There's soul in it. 
maybe this is no surprise, but Sirifo Sisoko too calls his brother Balake a truly great Kora player. In fact, his favorite. Balake in the studio setting is nothing. Balake even sometimes in the concert stage is nothing. But if you sit down with Balake in the compound late at night and you sit next to him, he's just playing Kora solo. Is something. I get goosebumps, I cry to his, uh, some of stuff that he actually played. It's powerful. You listen to a piece like Dembakunda. Dembakunda is the name of the village where his father was born and raised, just on the southern border of the Gambia, very near Casamance. So it's a tribute to his home. I celebrate the fact that there are so many Kora players now, young Kora players, who are brilliantly virtuosic and are recording widely and doing lots of fusion stuff. And I think this is all excellent. And the Kora has really become a very well-established instrument now. But I would say that the whole idea of Narayao, musical greatness, is, has, is sort of fading away. And instead, it's being replaced by physical dexterity, running up and down the strings of the Kora with machine gun speed, with very little real musical content. So at the end, you're impressed by the dexterity, but you're not moved by it. Well, as Lucy herself said, these judgments are subjective. But we can't finish our journey with the Kora without sampling some of today's innovators, like Basisoko of Conakry, Guinea, with his rocking take on Kora. Basisoko, wow, with Sabola. Or maybe you prefer the Kora Jazz Trio from Dakar, Senegal.
Jazz Trio covering a Bobby Timmons blues morning. Cuban jazz maestro Omar Sosa has recorded and toured with Senegalese chora player Sekou Keita. Sekou plays a chora with two necks, allowing him to play in any key he likes. Based Dauda Jobarte, another member of the Gambian Jobarte clan, putting Cora into a quasi orchestral setting on an album called Soaring Wild Lands. Just a sample of Cora Fusion projects. We haven't even touched on too many Jabate's adventures in jazz, rock, flamenco, and classical music. But we leave you with a track from our Montreal friend Zal Sisoko and a project called Cora Flamenca. about journeys with the Cora. Just a tease, my friend. There's a whole world of Cora music out there waiting for you. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. 
Thanks to Siri for Sisoko, David Gelden and Lucy Duran for their help with this program. And don't forget to visit afropop.org for much more on Cora Music. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast, including radio programs and our Afropop Close-Up podcast series. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by GC from the syncopated layer in Washington, D.C. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabei Siolwe. And I'm Georges Collinet. <laughs>